Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 15, What to Do with Fear. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I took a little break. Our December got a little crazy and some things had to go on the back burner for a bit, but we're back and super excited to be talking to you today. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. I think it always goes by way too quickly, but I do have to say that I really like January and the feeling of a new year and fresh starts. So I mentioned that a few months ago, I did a fireside for some young women on dealing with and managing anxiety and depression. And I had a mom of one of the girls that was there approach me a few weeks ago, and she told me how much that presentation had impacted her daughter. In fact, her daughter's a senior in high school and had just submitted her application to Brigham Young University. And one of the essays she submitted was about her experience at this fireside, what she'd learned and how she had applied it in her life and how much it had helped her to cope and actually thrive in a really difficult situation that she'd been facing. And the cool thing about this is that we didn't even talk about her situation at this fireside. I wasn't aware of it. My presentation had nothing to do with the particular circumstance that she was struggling in. But she was able to take these tools and apply apply them in the perfect way for her and her situation. And I'm sure the spirit also had something to do with it, showing her and teaching her how this information was exactly the answer she was looking for and helped her to see how to apply it um, to what she was going through. So I just love hearing stories like this of people, and especially teens, who are learning and applying these tools to help them see that they have agency and to recognize the control that they do have in a world where situations sometimes feel very out of their control. And this stuff is just a real game changer. I see it in my own life. I'm seeing it in the lives of clients and people who listen to this podcast, and I love sharing this work. It's just the best. So I want to talk to you today about something I've been thinking about a lot and noticing it in my own life and hearing other people talk about it, and that is fear. Now, I don't think I need to go into too much detail about what fear is or how it feels. We're all pretty familiar with it, probably. It's one of the most basic universal emotions and probably one of the first emotions that we feel as humans. In fact, the prophet Joseph Smith taught that the Lord in his wisdom has implanted the fear of death in every person that we might cling to life and thus accomplish the designs of our creator. So I believe fear was placed in us as a sort of of protective survival mechanism designed to keep us alive, to motivate us to protect ourselves from harm, and to be constantly watching out for danger, both physical and emotional. So this is a very powerful instinct that has been built into us, but as you probably well know, sometimes that instinct can cause us some problems when we let it go too far or when it becomes excessive. So I had to laugh a little when I ran across Um, one of the definitions of fear um, on the internet, which defined it as an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger real or imagined. Because unpleasant seemed 
like a little bit of an understatement. I know the times that I have felt real fear, I'd probably use a word a little stronger than unpleasant, like horrible or awful, or maybe even excruciating. That's just my opinion. But even then, even if the emotions we are experiencing feel more than unpleasant, they're still just emotions. And we've talked about this, right? Emotions are simply vibrations in our bodies. They can't hurt us. We create them with our minds and we get to decide what we make them mean and what we do with them and how we respond to them. So is fear a helpful emotion? If you could completely rid yourself of the feeling of fear, would you? I ran across an article about a woman who has a rare disease that causes parts of her brain to degenerate. And in her case, the area that was affected was the fear center of her brain. So as a result, this woman does not experience the emotion of fear and is basically not afraid of anything. And scientists studying her condition have exposed her to things like poisonous snakes and spiders, which they actually had to, um, in the end, prevent her from going and holding them because they didn't even phase her. They had to, they had her go through um, some haunted houses where they pulled out all of the stops to try to scare her or even just get an avoidance reaction out of her. And instead she just laughed and was more curious about it than anything. And they even showed her a lineup of the scariest horror movie clips that they could, that they could find, which had no effect but to entertain her. Now I know there are probably people who aren't afraid of these things that you know either, but this woman has also been in several situations where she was held at knife point or gunpoint or threatened um, with, or her, had her life threatened in some way. Um, the article says that she lives in a kind of a rough area and she came out of these experiences completely unfazed, where most people would experience some sort of um, post-traumatic stress disorder. She had no lingering trauma or fear associated with these events. And she understands logically what can and can't hurt her, but she's missing that subconscious automatic response that the rest of us feel when we are exposed to danger, which results in her not being able to recognize um, or avoid threatening situations. So that's probably why she's had so many life-threatening experiences. But our ability to fear keeps us in check and can serve as a red flag that motivates us to do things, maybe to take care of our health or alerts us to take safety precautions. So for me, the emotion of fear can be helpful as long as I don't let myself become debilitated by it, as long as I see it for what it is, which as an emotion that is drawing attention to or giving me information about something that I might want to take a closer look at. So we can see why fear is an important emotion, that it can be useful, it does have a purpose, but like I said before, it's possible for us to let fear go too far and ultimately hold us back from creating and living the lives we want and being the people that we want to be. So we live in a world where we generally don't have run-ins with poisonous snakes or dangerous animals every day, right? And in so many ways, we are physically safer and healthier and more comfortable than humans on this earth have ever been. But that doesn't mean that this primal emotion has weakened. In fact, I think it's just as strong as ever. Our brains have just redirected it to see danger in things that really aren't as threatening or as much of a problem as they seem. And I know from my own life that I can look back at hundreds of little experiences that have shaped my fears and my beliefs of what's dangerous and what's a problem. And I think this happens with all of us. We hear things that other people say, we see what other people fear, we're even told what and who to avoid and be afraid of. And over time, we kind of develop our own set of beliefs about what's dangerous, what's threatening, what we need to be afraid of or protect ourselves from. So here's a little example I remember as a young child sitting in church and probably talking to or playing with my little brother 
And I remember an adult leaning over to me, I'm sure in an attempt to keep me reverent, and saying, do you see that lady over there? You need to be quiet because she's looking at you. And I'm not blaming anyone or saying this is a horrible thing, but just an interesting observation looking back now after years and years of experiencing the fear of being judged or um, worrying about other people thinking poorly of me to see how sometimes we can teach our kids what to fear without even knowing it. Um, There are so many other examples of things I've overheard people say, maybe at school, about me or about other people that continue to kind of feed this belief that I had that if someone thinks badly of me or disapproves of me or doesn't like me, then it's the end of the world, which I know now is totally not true, but it's amazing and honestly a little bit heart-wrenching to look back and see how much I held myself back and missed out on because because that belief seemed so true. Another quick example I have is I kind of have a fear of germs and um, I'm getting better, but for a few years, this, this fear and this phobia really held me back. And the funny thing is that I didn't grow up this way. My parents were certainly not obsessed with germs, um, getting rid of germs and staying away from germs. In fact, my dad was kind of the opposite. He would lovingly tease me when I would get freaked out about germs and just say, I love germs. The more, the better. They're just building our immune systems and making them stronger, which it's true, right? <laughs> but looking back, I think it was around the time I got married that that you know the alcohol-based hand sanitizer was introduced, and I remember my husband and I just kind of laughing at it and thinking, "How can you wash your hands without water? That's so weird." And now I pretty much never leave home without it, right? We use sanitizer all the time. And then a couple of years later, I had a baby, and I started to hear about all the horrible, scary illnesses out there, RSV, and all these things that I had to worry about. And I remember seeing commercials and magazine ads for. Clorox wipes and Lysol and of course one of their tactics is to make you feel like there's so many germs out there and that they're dangerous and we need to eliminate all of them and pretty soon I was kind of a basket case worrying about all the horrible germs that were out there and not even wanting to leave my home for fear of being exposed or worse exposing my children and there were some other experiences that I won't go into detail here that contributed to this fear pretty significant experiences but you can see how little by little I was kind of conditioned to not just fear but to kind of be terrified of something that really wasn't a threat germs are normal they're supposed to be there it's all okay now this isn't to say I don't care about germs at all I certainly believe in hand washing and being careful not to spread sickness and handling food properly but I also look back and see the things that I and my kids missed out on because of my overblown, irrational fear of germs. And even when we weren't missing out on stuff, even when we would be out where the scary germs were, I would be overly stressed because I couldn't stop thinking about them. I couldn't just relax or focus on enjoying the people um, around me or the things that I was involved in. So you can see in this instance how that fear kind of paralyzed me and kept me from really living and enjoying my life and even kind of holding my kids back as well. And I think it's interesting and helpful for me to look back and notice um, where these beliefs came from, why I have some of these fears or misconceptions. It helps me to be a little more compassionate with myself, less judgmental, and understand why I struggle with certain fears, how they came to be. But I think in doing this, it's also important to be careful that we don't use these experiences and this evidence as excuses to reinforce or continue in the patterns that aren't serving us, that are creating feelings and causing behaviors that are keeping us from really living our lives and being who we want to be. That being said, I also don't think it's necessary to know where a fear came from 
or we don't and I don't think we have to understand why we have certain beliefs to change them you can change a belief just because you want to right just because you decide that you want to change it so think about the fears that you have the things that you've learned to believe that are keeping you from showing up the way that you want to in your life there's a lot of fears out there aren't there if you ask people what they're afraid of you might hear things like I'm afraid of public speaking I'm afraid of trying new things I'm afraid of heights or snakes or spiders there's fears of the unknown fears of the future fear of illness or injury or accidents fear of not being in control um, there are financial fears and physical fears Maybe you're afraid um, of getting a certain calling at church, or maybe you're afraid that you'll never get the calling that you want. Um, fear for our children and their well-being and safety. Fear that their lives won't look the way that we want them to or think they should. Um, there's fears of loss, or the one we hear about all the time nowadays, the fear of missing out, right? I think if we take a look at our fears and ask ourselves, why, are, why am I afraid of this particular thing happening? And really get curious about it, we can learn a lot about what's really going on for us. So for example, let's take a look at the almost universal fear of public speaking. Why are we afraid to get up and speak in front of other people? For most of us, maybe it comes down to a fear of being judged fear of looking bad and then being rejected or disliked because of it. Or maybe we're afraid to go try something new because we fear failure. We're afraid that we won't be enough and that we'll let ourselves or other people down. I know that in my own life, I've been afraid of feeling certain emotions. And I've been so fearful of this that I've gone to great lengths to try to avoid them. Feelings like insecurity or loneliness or shame or loss, basically any kind of negative emotion I saw as something to fear or avoid. And then one day I heard a definition of confidence that helped me really see what this fear was bringing about in my life. And the definition was that confidence is believing that you can handle any emotion. Let me say that again. Confidence is believing that you can handle any emotion. Let that sink in for a minute. Think about what you're missing out on, what you are avoiding or not doing in your life because you are afraid of feeling an emotion. Think about what you are or aren't doing because you don't want to experience an uncomfortable vibration in your body. And think about what this fear may be costing you. Is it costing you new experiences or memories with your loved ones? Is it costing you goals and accomplishments? Is it costing you relationships and connections? Is your fear costing you knowledge and learning and growth? Is your fear costing you joy? Fear causes all kinds of things from social anxiety to insecurity to shyness to phobias. Fear can cause people to try too hard and show off and be loud and overbearing. And fear can cause things like perfectionism or judging or criticizing others, or it can cause feelings of shame. So interesting to think about the different behaviors that the emotion of fear can drive. And generally, unless it's helping us escape a life or death situation or contributing to our physical survival, Fear really isn't serving us. Another thing I want to mention, which has helped me learn to keep my fear in check, is that the adversary likes to capitalize on our primitive brain, on that natural man brain. He knows us. He understands the weaknesses we experience as part of our mortal condition. He knows that fear is something that serves us and perpetuates our survival, but he also knows how to use it against us. I love this quote from President Howard W. Hunter super powerful he says fear is a principal weapon in the arsenal that satan uses to make mankind unhappy 
He who fears loses strength for the combat of life in the fight against evil. Therefore, the power of the evil one always tries to generate fear in human hearts. A timid, fearing people cannot do their work well, and they cannot do God's work at all. Latter-day Saints have a divinely assigned mission to fulfill that simply must not be dissipated in fear and anxiety. So good. So again, we are wired for fear. It can serve us, but I think the adversary takes this human part of us and blows it way out of proportion and makes us think that there's something wrong with us or that we're incapable of handling life. And that just isn't true. The adversary wants us to be overcome with and paralyzed by fear, but God wants us to hold on, to have faith and confidence in him and in ourselves as his children. Okay, so what do we do about all this? Well, if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, you know that fear is an emotion and that emotions come from your thoughts. And we've also learned that our brains have what is called neuroplasticity, meaning that they can change, that they can be rewired, right? This is super exciting news. Now, we change the connections in our brains by practicing new ways of thinking, by making new connections fire over and over through repetition and consistency. So I have kind of a funny little example of this, but it shows how this can work in our lives. I play the organ in sacrament meetings sometimes, and I know generally people aren't paying that much attention to who is playing the organ or how it sounds, but when I'm up on that stand sitting at the organ, it kind of feels like I'm front and center. And it doesn't help that the organ sound runs through the speakers and it's pretty loud. Again, probably no one notices this who isn't up there playing, but sometimes I feel so conspicuous up there. And it can be a little nerve-wracking, especially for someone who's not necessarily that great at the organ, like myself. Well, a few months ago, I found that I was feeling a little extra nervous and stressed about being up there and even practicing on my little keyboard at home. Um, All I could think about was the pressure of being up in front of everyone on that loud organ and messing up. Well, I decided to do a little thought work on this, dove into it a little, and I just asked myself, well, what's wrong? What's the big deal about messing up? And then I said, well, I'll look bad in front of everyone, and they might not have nice thoughts about me. Okay, so what's wrong with people not having nice thoughts about you? Well, then they won't like me, and they won't want to be my friend. And why is that a problem? Because then I'll be lonely, and I won't have validation from other people, and I won't have any friends, because everyone will be ashamed of me because I'm not very good at playing the organ. Okay, and then what? Well, then I'm just not a good person if no one likes me. I'm kind of worthless. And this was the actual conversation that I had in my head about why it was a problem if I made a mistake playing the organ in sacrament meeting. Nice, huh? No wonder I was nervous and my brain was telling me that it was, that if if my brain was telling me that a mistake basically meant social isolation and total loss of personal value, what? How on earth was my brain coming up with this stuff? I know logically I didn't believe this, at least not in my higher brain, right? I absolutely know things like this do not determine worth or value or whether or not someone wants to be my friend, but in that moment it sure felt real. And I think subconsciously I kind of did believe all that. So here's what happened. I decided I didn't want to believe this anymore. I decided it wasn't a great way to be thinking about playing the organ and it certainly wasn't serving me very well. And so I thought about that core fear that I had of being, of fearing um, dislike or rejection and not being loved. And I thought about all the people who I know who do love me, no matter how I play the organ. And I thought about my Heavenly Father and how much He loves me and how I felt His unconditional love before. And I just kind of sat there and let that feeling of love 
both that I've felt from others and that I have felt for others and that I've felt for my Heavenly Father sink in. And then this sentence popped into my mind and it was just the thought that you are loved. And I knew what that thought meant. I felt it. It was real. And that little three-word sentence had a whole new meaning to me. And I knew it was true. And I also knew that there just might be people out there criticizing and thinking poorly of me, but that I didn't have to worry about that. It didn't matter because I was loved. Because I have innate value. I don't have to earn my worth or anyone else's love. And so when that nervous feeling would start to creep up, when I would start to feel vulnerable and and freaked out, I would repeat to myself, you are loved. And I knew what that meant. All those feelings would come back to me and I believed it and it would calm me down. It would keep my brain from spiraling into that negative spin and I would just keep playing and it was fine. And when I wasn't feeling so nervous, of course I played much better. And not that I don't ever make mistakes, but I know that those mistakes don't mean what they meant before. I don't make them mean anything about my worth. So in this funny little situation, I have learned to reprogram that subconscious little fear in my brain. And I figured out why that was such a big deal for me. So I love a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. She says, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You must do the thing which you think you cannot do. I love this. If fear is an emotion we generate with our minds, then courage is an emotion we can generate as well. Courage can exist without, or courage cannot exist without fear, can it? I think another reason we're allowed the emotion of fear is so that we can be given opportunities to rise above our fears, exercise courage and trust and faith in God, to show ourselves what we're made of, to challenge ourselves and gain confidence by doing the things we think are impossible for us. So the last thing I want to mention is one of my all-time favorite scriptures, which I'm surely sure you're all very familiar with. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it reads, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we know that God doesn't want us to live in fear, but that he's given us resources and abilities to counteract it when it comes up for us. So first, let's take a look um, in that scripture at the word power. Power in this sense doesn't mean what the world tells us power is. In the worldly sense, I think power is means wealth or success, popularity, influence, control, dominance, right? This is not the way God exerts or gives his power. One of my favorite BYU devotional talks was given a few years ago by Professor Lloyd D. Newell, and I actually had him for a religion class years ago, and he was amazing. And he talks about fear and the power that comes from God versus the way the world thinks about power. He says, the Lord's way is deeper, higher, and holier. His power is governed by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge. Where worldly power depends on dramatic demonstrations, the Lord's power distills upon us as the dews from heaven, miraculously, but quietly and humbly. Where the worldly power is for the privileged few, the Lord's power is available to all. It is manifest in the ordinances of the priesthood. We access it through making and keeping sacred covenants. We nurture it through sincere prayer, fasting, and feasting upon the words of Christ. Perhaps you know someone who has this kind of power and therefore seems fearless. 
it is probably someone who would not be judged powerful by worldly standards, but whose spiritual power is undeniable. So good. That talk is called Fear Not and was given at BYU back in December of 2014. And I've listened to that one quite a few times. So I just love that God gives us power through his priesthood, through ordinances and our covenants, through knowledge and revelation, through the spirit, through the atonement. And I think it's important to really learn about the power available to us through all of these things. And when we understand the power available to us, all of a sudden the world doesn't seem so scary. We feel supported and strengthened and empowered. So the next thing that is mentioned in that scripture is that he has given us love. And Sister Patricia Holland, in another talk given at BYU Women's Conference, if you can't tell, I love my BYU talks, she quoted Dr. Gerald G. Jampalski, a psychiatrist from the University of California, who says that love is an innate characteristic. Just like fear, love is innate. It's already there, but often it becomes clouded over with fear, which, through life's experiences, we've conjured up ourselves. He says, when you feel love for all, not just those you choose, but all those with whom you come in contact, you experience peace. When you feel fear with anyone you come in contact with, you want to defend yourself and attack others, and there comes the conflict. Sister Holland goes on to say, obviously we have a choice. If Dr. Jampolsky is right, we can choose love and experience peace or choose fear and experience conflict. And she quotes the doctor again, in order to experience peace instead of conflict, it is necessary to shift our perception. Instead of seeing others as attacking us, we can see them as fearful. We are always experiencing love or fear. Fear is really a call for help and therefore a request for love. It is apparent then that in order to experience peace, we do have a choice in determining the way we perceive things. And then Sister Holland goes on to point out that in the Book of Mormon, Moroni said that he was able to overcome fear because he was full of charity or love. In Moroni 8.16, he says, Behold, I speak with boldness, having authority from God, and I fear not what man can do, for perfect love casteth out all fear. And if you want to hear more about loving and unconditional love, you can go back and listen to the last podcast episode. It's all about understanding and developing Christ-like unconditional love, which again can help us in our pursuit to overcome our fears. Okay, so the last resource mentioned in the scripture is that of a sound mind. And this one has always really struck me. What does it mean to have a sound mind? Well, I looked up some synonyms for sound as it relates to um, combating fear and a sound mind is one that is solid, stable, reliable, safe, intact, rational, complete, and healthy. Those are some of the words that resonated for me with what it means to have a sound mind, a mind that is at peace, a mind that is clear and effective and strong. And I believe that learning the tools and principles of good mental and emotional health are a huge part of managing our fears and our doubts and all of the other circumstances and emotions we experience in this life. I know it certainly helped me deal with some of my biggest fears. And this doesn't mean that we'll never experience fear. That's an emotion that we're pretty much wired with and it's probably here to stay, right? But it's really not such a big deal. What's important is what we do with that fear, how we think about it and what we make it mean. So that's what I have for you today. We'll for sure be talking more about this topic in future podcasts. There's so much to say and so much more information on fear and worry and anxiety that I want to dive into with you. So stay tuned. And as always, if you'd like to learn more or try out a mini session, you can go to my website and set that up. 
And also, if you're interested, you can follow me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching. That's where I post updates and info. And I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I will see you back here soon. Bye now. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to check out my website at motherhoodelevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like, as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.